Friday with Burns and Gambo. Presented by 72 Sold. Get your price. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Five o'clock hour of the Burns and Gambo show. Happy football Friday to you here on 98.7 FM, Arizona sports station as we are live from the Yachin Community Studios. We had Cardinals general manager Steve Kime with us earlier in the show and at one and two with a lot of concerns there was obviously a lot to talk to Steve Kime about. In a way there's so much to talk with him about that it's hard to know where to start. So I'm just going to start at the beginning of the sound file and let's play some sound bites from Steve and let's react to what he had to say to us. Um, You asked him the question about rookie production. They've got Trey McBride MyJ Sanders, Cameron Thomas. Three guys top, in the top 100. Top three draft picks. Three guys that were selected in the top one, And they're barely playing. They're yeah. barely they playing. Kind of got the so same the seat as you. They get to watch the game. Yes, exactly. They're, they're, they're on the sideline. I'm watching on TV. But it's basically the same concept. You asked Steve today if he's concerned about the lack of rookie production. Here's what he said. Well, it's always a concern. You'd love to see guys come in right away. But I think realistically, when you look at middle round picks, um, they will generally take some time. Uh, you know, and it's not so so much a physical thing as I said earlier it's it's the speed of the game and uh, the size of the playbook and, and some of the adjustments that you have to make on the fly so uh, I know there's a lot going through those guys heads but in practice I know that they've continued to look better and I know they will get more opportunities as we get down the stretch uh, other teams are playing rookies. I mean, every the NFL.com does a every, top 15 rookies every week. Plenty of rookies are playing and making an impact. Yeah. I Plus, mean, so I would like, I, you know, I understand it takes time. I understand you got to develop these guys, but some of these guys got to be able to come in and contribute. I mean, you, especially your first and second round picks. Yeah. See, and that's, that to me is where the distinction is. I'll buy the third round pick thing. Okay. I'll buy that those are quote unquote mid round picks. Um, a second round pick. I mean, you're talking about one of the 40, 50 best players available in the draft. I mean, look, it was a, Iron Murphy was a second round pick. He came in, he played right away. He got all the games. Yeah. I had to came in and played. Yeah, I mean it's it's the second round. Where was Buddha taken? The Buddha was taken in the second round. Played right he away, played right the away. Same, yeah. same thing. Yeah, I, I think part of it too is the position at which Trey McBride was selected was always a little, a little sketchy. Like, are we really sure a tight end here is the play? You know, are we really sure that's what we're gonna do here with your first draft pick of this. And I know there's somebody out there right now who's saying, well, Hollywood Brown is the Cardinals' first round pick, and he's playing, and he's playing a ton. Uh, okay, yes, that technically counts, I suppose. They traded their first-round pick for Hollywood Brown, but, man, the, the the snaps that these guys are getting or that they're not getting is alarming, you know, especially when you need pass rush help. In particular, the pass rushers. Maje Sanders, I don't think he's has he been active once so far. I don't even think he's been active. Cameron Thomas has played little, little, teeny, little tiny in bit. one game, and you would think, I mean, it's not... Yeah, I understand the linebacker position and all the responsibilities that a linebacker has. You would think a tight end could get on the field and play. Yeah, you would think. Run the route, catch the ball. Like, you know, I understand his blocking things. Uh, you, you know, there's certain scenarios you have to block and stay. Like, I get that, but you would think it's a lot easier for a tight end to get on the field than a linebacker. So the question, the natural follow-up, and I'm glad you asked it. Is there a disconnect between the front office who drafts the players and the coaches who choose how to deploy the players? You don't think there's any disconnect between the front office and the guys that are making the picks and then the coaching staff and having those guys get on the field and play? Well, I don't know of any guys that we've drafted that our coaches didn't like, so I would have to say that's a no. 
<laughs> don't know of any guys that we drafted our coaching staff didn't like. Our coaching staff liked these guys. They just don't really want to play those guys. How much do they like them? How much the, why, and that's, you know. Do they like him on film, and then when they get him on the field, they don't like him? I mean, there's, they like it. Like, uh, there's got to be something. Why do Cardinal rookies not make the same impact that other teams are getting from their rookies. Why? Yeah. Why? If you want to if you want to really go down this rabbit hole, just go look at the last 3 or 4 drafts for the Arizona Cardinals. And there's just there hasn't been much there. I mean, there have been guys. Of course, Kyler is the guy. And Walker Wilson's playing a lot. And, and, and he's playing, but, you know, I, I don't, he's a fourth round, third rounder, fourth rounder who was, he's playing a lot. I don't know if he's playing great, but he's playing a lot. But, but go look at Josh it, Jones. It's, it, there's, there's just not a lot. There's just not a lot there. And, and, and so I think it's a very fair question to ask. Now, Steve's answer. Hey, the, our coaches signed off on these guys. They like these guys. They approved of these guys. Clearly, though, they're not using them very much. You know, they're, they're not. And, and really, let's be honest, one of the main guys we're talking about here is Isaiah Simmons. I mean, that's a guy who, at the number eight overall pick and a first rounder, at this point, should be playing all the time. All the time. Should be out there all the time. Should be making, and not only just playing, he should be playing at a high level all the time. Neither of those things are happening when it, it comes always, to It was always Simmons. a philosophy. Your first round pick needs to be a starter. Your second round pick needs to be a starter. Your third round pick needs to be a you know quality backup. Your fourth round pick, your fifth round pick, those guys are just true backup special teams players. Your sixth and seventh round picks, those guys, if they make the team, they're making it on special teams. Like so, But you, you do expect expect your first and your second round pick to start and you expect your third round pick to be a quality backup that will get a lot of time. That's a just a philosophy that people have gone gone by over the years and but it does seem like the Cardinals are not getting now it could be you know, it could be the coaching staff just relies more on veteran players. We feel more comfortable, comfortable with a veteran player and, you know, it can't afford mistakes. You know, all these games are so close and, you know, rookies are going to make mistakes. And yes, they're talented and they're more athletic and they can, but you can't tell me, you can't tell me that Ben Neiman has 50% of the athleticism that Isaiah Simmons has. Yeah. I ain't buying it. Okay. Here's more from Steve Keim. Uh, would he like to see Kyler run the football more? We had that stat earlier in the week. They haven't won a game where he's got four yeah. or fewer rushing attempts. Here's what he said. I just think it's more about opportunity and instincts. And if he feels like he's got a lane or an opportunity to run the football, you know, obviously that is a, uh, a great threat of his. But at the same time, you know, he does have the accuracy to play from the pocket. Um, but, you know, again, I know the stats will say what they are, which is the more he runs, the better we do. Uh, again, if, if there's an opportunity and to be able to be safe, uh, I would love to see him run the ball. Four rushes or fewer, the Cardinals were 0 11 and 1 including the playoffs. This is incredible. It's an incredible stat. And between 5 and 9, let me see if I can get this correct. Okay. But I don't even have it between 5 and 9 they're 14 and 14. You are correct. And 10 with plus. 10 or more they're 11 0 and 1, 9 and 1. Close enough. Close enough. No, you were close. Oh, you got the fourteen and fourteen enough. and five to nine. I 14 was and fourteen. By that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those numbers are. I mean, it's not the one only reason, but that's a pretty overwhelming stat when you look at it. Right. No, I don't know that there's a stat that I've seen in a in a long time that is more straight to the point than that one. I mean, I'm being honest. I'm yeah. not a stat guy. You know me. I'm not a stat guy. That when Kyler runs it less than five times, they don't win. When he runs it. Ten times, they win. When he runs it somewhere in between, they win half and they lose half. 
I don't know there's a stat that defines a player more than that stat defines Kyler Murray. I truly don't. That is a, and you know me, I hate stats. Yeah. That's a phenomenal stat. Yesterday we played the audio from LaShawn McCoy on the I Am Athlete podcast, uh, ripping Kyler Murray. You asked Steve for his reaction to that. <laughs> I actually didn't hear that. It's pretty harsh. And he's, he's from my hometown, so. <laughs> so the hell with him. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Um, but no, I mean, it's, uh, you know, again, I know you guys have a tough job to do, and I certainly respect the media's opinion, and they have to be tough, and it's a real results-based business, but at the same time, the internal belief that I have in Kyler, that we all have in Kyler, is tremendously high, and I think that um, you know there are always things with young players that you want to see improve and get better, but uh, at the same time, you know there aren't, there aren't many guys that I'd rather have in Kyler Murray as our quarterback. I could name quite a few, um, but I probably could, I'd probably stop somewhere around nine or ten. I think Kyler's right in that you know ten, eleven, twelve categories quarterbacks. I like him. There's still you know there's you, you can watch a game and you have a feeling on Kyler, but then if you get to watch game film, you're like, oh my god, he missed that, and he missed that, and he missed that. Look, I mean that's why like we've talked about Cliff. Like I really truly think that there's a lot that these designs are fine. That the offensive designs and the plays are good and that there's stuff that's wide open and then I just don't think Kyler sees it or knows it. I don't think Kyler has, I don't think he's good pre-snap. I just don't think Kyler is good pre-snap. I, yeah. And I think that could be studying. I think that really truly could be. I don't, you know, go, go into the line of scrimmage and not have an idea what you're going to do with the ball. I think he does need to study more. When we come back here on this football Friday, whose seat is hotter before this game and after this game? Matt Rule, the coach of the Carolina Panthers or Cliff Kingsbury, the coach of the Cardinals, or is it equal? We'll talk about it coming up here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Football Friday with Burns and Gambo. Presented by 72 Sold. Get your price. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. We've been trying to track it down. We haven't had a ton of luck. I'll just be honest with everybody out there. But there was um, a tweet from earlier today from a, a Twitter account called NFL Rumors. And they cited CBS Sports, their verified Twitter account. Report, the Panthers head coach Matt Rule has lost the locker room, according to CBS Sports. Well, that's a obviously very damning indictment of any football program. I, I, I don't know who, where they're getting that from, or, or and I, I haven't seen much of it anywhere else. But certainly, if you want something a little more verified, there was a story that Gambo had emailed me earlier today about how Aaron Wilson of the Pro Football Network, longtime NFL insider, I'm familiar with Aaron, who sent out a story today in which the Panthers are very prepared to move on from Matt Rule if this season doesn't go the way they want it to. And they're very prepared to go with a veteran head coach, not a first-timer, not a coordinator making his head coaching debut, but somebody who's done it before. There's no doubt that Matt Rule, what'd you say, 11-25? and 25 Yes. Is his career record so far in the NFL? I, to be frank, I'm kind of surprised He's the coach this year. I, I didn't think he was going to make it yeah, coming 11, out of last offseason. I think it's uh, maybe it's 10, 10 or 11 wins, but 25 losses. So he's, uh, yeah, it might be 10 and 25. So he's just done a poor job. He's been there for a number of years, and, you know, they they could be looked, you know, they could look to move on from him, especially if they lose this game here. It just hasn't gone very well uh, for them. So this could be a big game for him. This could be a big game for that whole staff. Now they do have a, a a former head coach on their staff right now if they needed to. 
And Steve Wilkes. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I think Steve, oh. Steve Wilkes. So. Yeah, you know, I keep forgetting about that. And, yeah, that's that's not going to be awkward at all, considering the lawsuit and everything like that this yep. weekend. Steve um, Wilkes is Phil Snow, the former member. Phil Snow at ASU. Sure with Bruce Snyder. Phil Snow's the defensive coordinator. Steve Wilkes is the defensive passing game coordinator and in charge of the secondary. <laughs> so, But you do have Steve Wilkes on your staff. He was the head coach of the Cardinals for a year if they moved on from rule, they could have Wilkes take over temporarily. That's poss- that's that's a possibility. I look. I think this one's pretty simple. Yeah, I think win or lose, Matt rules on a hot seat. I think his he. I, I think, think season. I, I think season. He's, yeah. the, he's the hot seat for him. Started the minute the season started. Yeah. Okay. Whether yeah. they win or lose this weekend is irrelevant. The seat's going to be hot no matter what happens on Sunday. With Cliff, it's a different deal. Now it's. It would be very, very unusual and very unorthodox to give a guy a contract extension in January only to be questioning whether he's your head coach in October. Okay? It'd be very unorthodox to do that. And yet, this thing has gone south in a big hurry for the Cardinals. I mean, dating back to last year, I know... I know what they've done under Cliff. We all do. Three wins to five wins to eight wins to 11 wins. Their first playoff appearance in six years. We, 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 and I'm not trying to diminish that or dismiss that. That's an important part of this conversation. Man, they've lost seven of their last nine games dating back to last year. It'll be eight of ten if they lose this one to the Carolina Panthers. The, 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 he has not figured out how to maximize the offense without DeAndre Hopkins. We can say what we want, and I know you have about Kyler and his pre-snap reads, and I agree. That's been a that, that that's been not good. That, that that needs a lot of work. But Cliff has had a long time to figure out a functioning offense without DeAndre Hopkins, and it just has not. It's failed. It's it's failed him, and he has failed it. If this season gets sideways to the tune of a four win season, five win season, and make no mistake, losing to the Panthers, I think is an indicator that that might be where we're headed. Okay, if they, yeah, if they that lose, would be a bad loss. Yeah, if they, that lose, would be a bad because you, you can look at the other loss. Kansas City is that a bad loss? No. The Rams is that a bad loss? Not really. No, that would be a bad loss. Yes, that would be a like if you lose to Carolina, they're a mess. They're a match. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if their if their players were giving the other coaching staff is staff in the information, kind of like what was happening with Herman ASU, because they want to get the guy fired. Maybe that's what the, the new thing to do when you want to get your coach fired is you give information to the other team. I don't know, um, but I like I would consider that a bad loss, even though Carolina's had their number for a number of years. How many in a row have they won? Six, six in a row. And but I would I would I would consider that a bad loss. This is a game when you looked at the calendar, you're like you're going to win this game. You're going to win this game. Carolina's no good. Okay, they don't know their quarterback situation's a mess. You should win this game. If you're a playoff team, you got to win games like this. We knew the Cardinals schedule was tough, but we always looked at that. Man, if you could just get one out of those first three games, then you get Carolina. You'll at least be two and two. Yeah, because then you don't win this one. It calls into question exactly what games down the road you are going to win. Right. Suddenly, suddenly we have to rethink like we, we all did this when the schedule came out. Right. And we looked at the game and said, oh, that's winnable. Yeah. That's winnable. That's winnable. If you can't be the Carolina Panthers, you have to reevaluate what is a winnable football game. Right. You have to reevaluate kind of the schedule and and all of a sudden, uh, you know, an eight and nine season, a nine and eight season, a ten and seven season. Now you have to think about it differently because you go, oh, man, I couldn't even beat Carolina. Well, what 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 teams that we thought they could beat, they're not going to beat anymore. So. I think if we get to the end of the year and this is a four-win football team, five-win football team, now I still 
really believe in my heart of hearts that there's too much talent here to allow it to get to that. And if they can just, and this to me is the key, and we talked to Steve about this earlier, if they can just get to the sixth game with a three and three record, right? Yeah. If they can just get to D Hop coming back and they're a 500 football team, then the reinforcements start coming back. Here comes Rondale Moore and here comes Trayvon Mullen. And not that he's a huge reinforcement, but here comes DeAndre Hopkins. Here comes some of the guys you were missing. And then maybe you can start to see the real version of this team that we expected to. You lose to Carolina. My concern is you're not going to get to the sixth game with a three and three record. You're going to get there with a one and five record. You're going to get there with a two and four record. But then it's not going to matter that DeAndre Hopkins is back. Does any of that make sense? Sure, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you're you, you. We always looked at this this stretch without DeAndre Hopkins. We're looking at it like, okay, you're, you're almost in this just survive, yes. just, just just survive, just get to three and three, and then there's eleven games left, and then you could go on a little bit of a run, and you could you could make the playoffs. Now we also looked at the NFC and said, you know what, it's not that good. Eight wins may get you in the playoffs. Nine wins probably get you in. Maybe you could get in with eight, but there are games on the schedule that you look at and you say you got to win that game, and I think. This this Carolina game is one of those like you got to win that game. They're not good. Like they're very easy to figure out. I mean, Dan Orlovsky. I'm looking at a video right now. Dan Orlovsky breaking down films says, "Hey, listen, it's pretty pretty obvious when Christian McCaffrey lines up with Mayfield, it's a pass. When he lines up one yard behind him, it's a run. Like every single time, if he's a yard behind him, they're running. If he's even with them, it's a pass. Like you know, so <laughs> like it's easy to figure out what they're going to do. Like you know, you got to take advantage of that. If Matt Rule is 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 bury him. Just bury him. Bury him. Get him fired. Get him fired. Go into go into this game knowing that you win this game. You're gonna get you're gonna get him out of there. Put him out of his misery. Well, and go into this game knowing that if you win this game, now all you really have to do is go beat Seattle in week six, and you'll be three and three when you get DeAndre Hopkins back. I mean that's that's it. Right? Yeah, that, what's the other game? Philly. Home Philly. against Philly next week. Okay. Yeah. And they can't win at home, so that's a loss. Yeah, I mean, that's it feels like a loss. I mean, th- then you do the, all you have to do. I, I, I don't know how good Philly is. Like, I still think they go win that game. These like I think that's they're all winnable games. Carolina's a winnable game. Philly's a winnable game. Seattle's a winnable game. I'm not saying they're going to win them all, but I think they're all winnable games. But that's what I mean. You lose to Carolina, and now you have to rethink what is a winnable game. That's true. It's true. Now you, have to, you have to think true. to yourself, okay, now, 100% true. now what? I mean, I still think Seattle is winnable, but then you go New Orleans. Is that a winnable game? Is Minnesota a winnable game? I don't know. New Orleans lost to Carolina. Is San Francisco a winnable game? I mean, I then, mean then, then you really say, is, is... I mean, everybody's so excited for Jimmy Garoppolo. What did Jimmy Garoppolo do last week? He pulled the Dan Olofsky. I know, but right again... Back in the end zone, he looked terrible. You lose the NFC's Carol- not good. You lose the Carolina, and suddenly you, you think, where exactly is our place in this order in the NFC? You know, where are we? And so that's... that's I'm going to start to think the whole NFC is garbage. I mean, we have our poll question today, our typical Friday poll question. Yeah. Cardinals win by a little, Cardinals win by a lot, Panthers win by a little, Panthers win by a lot. If we come in here on Monday and the Panthers have won by a lot, oh my goodness, just... Get, where's the where's the Jello cup button? Uh, where's the where's the, where's the where, with, I've got a bank full of red buttons in front of me. Which one is the panic button? Which one do I press to sound off alarms? Jello. What was that again? Uh, what, what what what? One more time. One more. Jello. Are you breaking it up into two? Okay. Jello cup. Just give me Jello cup. Mm. Give me Jello cup.
I'm pressing the Jello. Jello cup, by the way, is what we—that's our phrase in our house when we're watching a, a TV show or a movie, and there's you know content on it that's not appropriate for children, <laughs> and which it, every and TV show has now. Every much. show, and then a child walks into the room, in, yeah. and then a 13 year old kid comes walking in to get a Jello cup. So as it comes to they're all going to get Jello cups. You want whip? I'll give you whip. <laughs> yeah. So do you? Do you do you yell Jello Cup? Does she yell Jello Cup? Who, who, or does, or does Quentin come in and say, "I'm here to get well, a Jello it Cup"? That we, we just know it's like it's Jello Cup time. <laughs> but now we start. We can start. We know Jello Cup time. You got to listen. Whatever you got to do, exit out. Pause. You know, don't pause it. Don't pause it. God fast knows forward. You, rewind. What God do you knows do? you don't pause it. Don't pause it. Every show's got stuff like that now. You're like you, every <laughs> single TV show has something that you're probably not appropriate for the kids. Like Is I don't Quint- want my kids seeing it. Is Quentin, one of those kids that like loudly bounds down the stairs when he's going to the kitchen. No, we just... have a we have a one level. We don't have stairs. We have just oh. like, we have a one level home. Oh yeah. Oh, that changes everything. We oh, have yeah. a whole one level home. Yeah. At least at least in our house, kids' bedrooms are on one side. Our bedrooms on the complete opposite side. Yeah. On our house, in our house, you can hear kids coming down the stairs, or or maybe conversely, adults coming down the yeah. stairs when there are kids downstairs. But but in a single level home, yeah. No, I can nope. see how Quentin can be very ninja like. In that house, oh. and just all of a sudden, and before Brooke you know too. it, yeah. yeah. Hey, oh, hey, hi, Jello Cup. Oh, let's, let's, uh, previous channel, previous channel, previous channel. Yeah, it's quick, 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 quickly. <laughs> the Phoenix Suns basically brought DeAndre Ayton back on a discounted max contract. Why didn't they go the full rookie max this past offseason? And is the soon to be former owner the reason why? That's coming up next on the Burns and Gambo Show. <laughs> 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. John Gambadero, Dave Burns, on this Friday preseason game number one for the Suns comes up on Sunday, the regular season opener, two and a half weeks away. This is that one odd time where everything's going on. Yes. You've got the Suns playing. You've got the Coyotes playing. You have Dimebacks playing. You have ASU playing. You have the Cardinals playing. Everybody's playing. Everybody's playing. Everybody. It's why for some people it's their favorite time of year. Everybody's playing. And for some people, it's not their favorite time of year. It doesn't last busy. long because the Diamondbacks will be over soon. Yeah, but but you uh, but but everybody right now, everybody's playing. You know, but then the baseball postseason starts, and and, and honestly, I mean, if I'm just being honest about it, I haven't been paying as much attention to the Diamondbacks the last couple of weeks. I will certainly have been paying attention to Aaron Judge and paying attention to Albert Pujols to see if he gets 700. When the baseball postseason starts, I mean, I'm all in on the baseball postseason. I love the baseball playoffs. It's it's incredible. It's so much fun to watch. Every game, every inning, it's all very tense. It's it's. I, I think the baseball postseason, yeah. I, I still think they their postseason does it better. And I'm curious to see the new format, the expansion. 40% of the teams are in now. You know, just how different does it look? How different does it feel? But yeah, that's why for a lot of people, October is their favorite sports month of the year because it's baseball postseason. It's the start of the NHL season, start of the NBA season. Football's underway, college pros. There's just, it's everything. everything's going on. Everything. What was that? That was, was that, me. Mitch? No, that was me. That was my computer. What, it was make, you? Yeah, it's making noises. Hold on. All right. No, it's not me. Sorry, Mitch. That was me. 
<laughs> it's Mitch fun. is like, what did I do? It's like, ah, ah, what do I push? What do I push? No, that was me. It was from my computer. Never mind. Yeah, Loud noises! <laughs> it's, it's coming from my computer. Um, let's talk about DeAndre Ayton for a minute. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. This this story that's out there, it's actually been out there a couple of days. I, I only saw it for the first time today. I only started paying attention to it today. I'm going to play the soundbite from Ramona Shelburne on uh, ESPN, NBA Today on Wednesday. I heard from a source that it was Sarver's decision to refuse DeAndre Yaton the max contract. Does he blame Robert Sarver? Does he blame that front office? Does he blame Monty Williams? And, and my understanding from talking to people close to DeAndre is that the, he thinks this was Robert Sarver's decision as well. And Robert Sarver's not going to be the owner anymore. So there is some healing that can happen there. But I know, as you said, Mark, there were some hurt feelings over that contract and how that played out. If they were going to instantly match an offer sheet that he signed, why not just give him the max contract? Now, we've got a great relationship with Ramona, but I know from what you understand, you believe the exact opposite to be true, that it was yeah, not Robert yeah. Sarver's decision to refuse yeah, to ever eat in the listen, max. Listen, I was very involved in a lot, you know, not the discussions of whether to give him the contract or not, but just in the everyday discussions of, you know, what are you guys going to do uh, with him? And I know, for, you know, I know full well, and I would always pass these notes along to you, so you you always knew what was going on too, but yeah, the, the, my belief and what I know is that they were very reluctant to give him that contract extension because they didn't want to have two max contracts at the same time which made it prevented them from getting a guy like Kevin Durant. If they had given DeAndre a max, right, then they would have been in a situation where they would have been they would have been hard pressed to go get another max guy um, if they would have given him their own one. But they also didn't want to give a center that type of money. They were very reluctant to give a center thirty million dollars based on you know the fact that there's only two of them that are worth that type of money in the whole league. That's how they felt. But I, I think it was more James in the front office than it was. And I think Robert's going to get a lot of the blame for everything right now. And you know because it's it's easy. It's just easy to just blame Robert. But I totally think that the front office made a decision that we'll play this thing out, but they did not. They were the ones who ultimately said, no, we don't want we don't want to give him a max contract for five years. I do believe you, but I part of me thinks the only thing that matters here is what DeAndre Ayton thinks, you know, what DeAndre Ayton believes to be true. And if DeAndre Ayton thinks that Robert Sarver is the reason why he got four years and not five years. And Robert Sarver is no longer the owner of the Suns, or at some point will no longer be the owner of the yeah, Suns. Yeah, let him think that. Uh, right? Let him think let that. Let him yeah. think that. Let, let, him, let him believe that. If, if, that's, if that's what somebody is leading him to believe, and I, you know, I, I, if that's what somebody is leading him to believe, and he's choosing to believe that, he's choosing to accept that as his reality, then maybe the sooner, if he is got a case of hurt feelings over getting four years and not five, maybe to Ramona's point, that is like the first step to healing this. That is because it's been pretty obvious this week with DeAndre Ayton, whether it was the surly performance at Media Day when he kind of had a chance to show the whole world that he was happy to be here and he kind of chose not to, or whether it was the revelation on Wednesday that he and Monty haven't talked during the offseason. That was crazy. We're off to a very rough start with DeAndre Ayton so far this year. 
Where it shouldn't be, guys making $33 million a year, but as we feared all along, knowing that the Suns could have given him $45 million more than what they did, might have bruised his ego a little bit. And it's all about egos. I mean, it's so much about egos. And he can say he's a max player, but other guys are going to be like, okay, you didn't get the the right, you didn't get the right max. You should have got the right max five years. And now he can always make that up, right? In four years, if he plays great, he's going to sign a contract for another five years. It's going to be for him worth a ton of money and he'll actually hit that contract sooner than if he had signed a five-year deal and and look i know 33 million dollars is a lot of money but any employee anywhere in any line of work who thinks they're worth x and instead they're getting x minus whatever is gonna potentially feel the little miffed Right, they're going to feel a little devalued. They're going to feel like you don't you don't value me as an employee. What was his comment? I guess. Right? Didn't he say that? Like, I guess. And I asked him, like, you know, are, with the are you happy? Are you happy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. We're, we're good. Like, uh, yeah, like, I, I guess. guess. Yeah, I guess. And that, that was our fear all along with DeAndre Ayton was that he has every reason to be happy. Thirty three million dollars, but the way the Suns kind of got over on him with this one by saving themselves forty five million, that he might feel like you know, hey, I'm worth more, and you guys should have just given it to me, and we all would have been happy campers. And if DeAndre wants to. Blame Robert for that. I don't see anybody in the organization who's going to stop him. You know, like I, I don't see anybody in the organization who's going to not want him to feel that way because it might lead to a faster, better version of DeAndre Ayton, meaning sure. that he'll get to that good space faster than he would if he's no man. James Jones, four years. That's all he was going to give you. That was it. You know, he might ease his his Look. bruised feelings faster. Look, I always kind of believe you are who you are. Like you really can't change your personality. If you're a laid back guy, you're a laid back guy. If you're overly aggressive guy, you're overly aggressive. But look, sometimes, I mean, sometimes that happens. I mean, what if, just what, what if, what if DeAndre is pissed off at the world still and he just, you know, he takes, he takes it out on everybody in the NBA. You know, maybe the Suns will get a better version of DeAndre Aiden because of that. Maybe, maybe. Maybe they get a different version. I mean, maybe you, you didn't get that happy-go-lucky guy in the press conference. You got a different guy. Like, who's yeah. that? That's the Andre. That's the Andre Aiden. We haven't seen that personality side of him. Maybe DeAndre has decided that Grumpy Aiden is who he needs to be now, or or not even Grumpy Aiden. Business like Aiden is what he needs to be. Yeah, business like is the B- way. Business like. I'm I'm here to do business. This is a business. I'm here to do business. Let's get down to work. I, I I don't know. I don't know. But it was an interesting thought that. And you're right about one thing. When you say Robert Sarver is going to get blamed, he's going to get blamed for everything for a lot of stuff. You're not wrong about you that. You don't like you don't like the price of beer. That's that's him. You don't like your parking space. That's it. You don't like the Diamondbacks bullpen. That's because of Robert Sarver. Yeah. But in this case, it might actually be a little productive potentially. For Cardinals pass rush. Blame it on Robert Sauber. <laughs> when we come back here on Burns and Gamble, given all the pressure Kyler Murray has faced so far this season, that offensive line, how's it working out for the Cards so far three games in? We'll talk about it coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? 
All right, the games that we're going to watch tonight here on the Burns and Gambo show. We got bonus Burns and Gambo. We're going to be with you till 6:30 and part of the reason why is we're going to watch D-back San Francisco Giants tonight. 7:10 first pitch Merrill Kelly. If all goes according to plan, we'll start tonight and then we'll start the season finale for the Diamondbacks next Wednesday. And if he does that, he needs 10 and a third innings to get to 200 for the first time in his career. Something that he has said on the record is very important. Sure. So I mean, that's a great accomplishment. 200 innings. So as long as Tori doesn't interrupt it, let's get him those 10 in the third inning. I would. I mean, hopefully he should be able to get it over two starts. Yeah, you oh, I do. You're not asking him to go. You're not, if you're not was, asking for If a it lot. was 14 innings or 15 innings, maybe. But I think 10 is very doable. Yeah, I think 10 is very doable. And then also on tonight, college football that you may or may not want to keep an eye on. 15th ranked Washington taking on 4-0 UCLA. Both teams are 4-0. UCLA has not played anybody. I mean anybody. I think their biggest win so far is like South Alabama. Yeah. Their schedule is really lacking any. So to say they're 4-0, yeah, but whereas Washington at 4-0, and of course that's the team coming into town next week to take on the Sun Devils. Washington? So. Yep, Washington's in town next yeah, week. Yeah, and that quarter, I'm telling you, that quarterback is lighting it up for uh, Washington. Michael Penix Jr.? Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, yes. Michael Penix Jr., this 12 touchdowns in one pick. 1,388 yards. He has been phenomenal. He's been the best quarterback in the Pac-12. He has been there. They're 4-0. They beat Michigan State. They they beat Stanford. His numbers are unbelievable this year. Could be the best quarterback in the conference. Well, I'm looking him up right now. Michael he Penix is Jr. completing 64% of his passes. He's killing it. 12 touchdowns, one interception, a rating of 172.2. Best quarterback. I love another rating in college football is so much higher than it is in yeah. the NFL, right? NFL, I think, perfect is 158.3. He's a transfer, too. He's one of those, you know, yeah. transfer guys because he he was the he was the Indiana quarterback. That's right. And then he transferred, I guess, I don't know, graduate, whatever, but he was at Indiana for a hundred years. Like literally, he was at Indiana for a hundred years. Literally. He was there for like he I think he was there in the eighteen hundreds. He was at Indiana for a long time and then he transferred to Washington. He was there for four years. Okay, whatever, close enough. He was there for a long time. He was there for four years. Seems like it was longer. Literally 100 years. He was there for four years, you know, like most college players do. Four years. <laughs> so you usually see guys in college for five years, six years. No, you, you, you don't. But he's only, and he's, a, he's not even a senior. He's a junior. He's listed as a junior. Right. And then you get a COVID year. He might play college football for nine years. <laughs> like he might play college football until he's 42 years old. He might. He might. Anyway, that's what's on tonight. Diamondbacks baseball and uh, college football, if you're so inclined. Washington taking on UCLA. Of course, tomorrow, ASU taking on USC. That game starts at 730 here on 98.7 FM. Arizona Sports. Why not? But, Why wouldn't but it? But you get a reprieve next, next week. week. Next, next week. week. It's ASU in Washington, and I think it's at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And that's here. That's here. That's here. Yeah. It's here. here. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Well, I like that a lot better. I like that a lot I better. I know you do. You I like 2.30 a lot better. You don't like staying up late on a Saturday night. You want to go to bed? I, yeah. I mean, I just, well, I just don't. <laughs> just college football games are four hours. They are four hours. They're four hours. That's a, re- I, uh, 7.30, it's, a, you're, you're, you know, and then when the game's over, like, the problem, like, you know, in our business, like, I don't know about you, but the problem is like, so when the game's over, I have all these thoughts in my mind that I, I, I can't go to sleep because then I'll forget them all. 
Oh, see, I can usually we'll remember away. the next day. Oh, I can't remember them the oh, next day. I can day. usually remember yeah. the next day. Yeah. So then I just have to like go work for an hour to make sure I get all my thoughts. So for down. you, a college football game is like five I, hours long. Five though. hours, yeah. Because again, like if I if I go to sleep right after the game is over, like I have fifteen thoughts in my head as to why ASU lost. Then when I go to sleep, I'll lose like thirteen of them. I've said it in the past. College football doesn't hold the same appeal to me that it used to, even like three or four years ago. And and part of it, honestly, is just because of COVID. It just kind of fell off my radar. So screen a little bit but but honestly that is one of the big reasons why the games are just way too long, too long in college football. And we don't, and we, way I mean, when was the last long. time we had a program that was any good? That doesn't help. When was the last time we had a, a college well, football program in this and, state that was any good? And the other thing that doesn't help either I mean, is you were giving out donuts. It's hard to watch a sport. Yeah, and that was, what, six years ago? Five years ago? Well, it was more than that, like seven years Todd ago. Graham. It's hard to watch a sport where you know every single year it's going to come down to three teams. You know, oh, that's why I hate the expanded playoffs. That's why I hate them. I mean, it's it's I it's, hate the expanded okay, playoffs. It's gonna be it's gonna be Alabama. It's gonna be Georgia. It's gonna be Ohio State. Yeah, you know, or it's gonna be Alabama, Georgia, Michigan. I mean, it's there's there's no there's no variation. And if we're just really being honest, it's gonna come down to Alabama and Georgia. You know, and and that's look your, the, the conference that your schools are in can't even get into the playoffs. No, so it's not like okay, you can even root for the conference. Nope, it doesn't matter. They're nope. not going to get in. No, they're not going to get in. And even if they do, they're not going to get very far. Why? Because Alabama and Georgia. And it's, it's just a, a sport like this. It's hard to invest in a sport like that when it's just so uh, honestly. The NBA for years kind of had the same problem for me, and, and it didn't help. And in a similar kind of vein, it didn't help that the Suns weren't any good, right? But for years, in a combination with the Suns not being any good, and every single year it was either going to be Golden State or Cleveland, right? And it yes. seemed like we went five years where that's all it was. That's all the NBA was. Suns are no good, and it's either going to be the Warriors or the Cavs, and that's it. College football's got the same problem right now to me. My local team isn't very good, right? So I'm not very interested in them. And two teams are going to win the championship. Championship. Out of these two teams, one of them is going to win the championship. That's just, and the games are four hours long. It's just hard for me to get into that. Really hard for me to get into that. All right. Um, our intended conversation was going to be about the Cardinals' offensive line, and since we're bonus burns and gambo, we do have a couple minutes to talk about it because we're going to bring you a, an encore presentation of our Steve Kime interview from earlier wow. in the show. Yeah, encore right. Presentation. It's, uh, it's, I'm, I'm in for that. It's demanding of that. Um, not a lot of things have worked out well for the Cardinals this year. Their offensive line, I think, is one of them. I think their offensive line has been a very, very good part of the program three games in. There have been individuals who have been good. Buddha's been good. J.J. Watt's been good. But as a unit, I think they've been the best part of the Cardinals three games into the season off the top of my head. I can't think of another unit that I would say, other than the safeties, and only because there's only two of them, and we expect greatness out of both of them. The I think the offensive line's been really good. Yeah, for the and, and and the offensive line. I was looking at something today. It was uh, and I just I just caught my mind because I wanted to see where they ranked in this. But the offensive line, Pro Football Focus, did a thing where they rated the offensive line. The Cardinals were up three spots. Some projected starters: DJ Humphrey, Justin Pugh, Rodney Hudson, Will Hernandez, Calvin Beecham. And he said, look, Arizona's line did a good job against Aaron Donald and the Rams. Despite Donald getting his 100th career sack, no member of the line allowed more than three pressures despite 63 pass-blocking snaps. It says Carolina's best pass-rushing threat comes on the edge, but Brian Burns hasn't been as spectacular yet this season as in the past. They they rated the Cardinals' offensive line as the 13th best in in the NFL, which is very, very close, very close to being in, in the top 30. 
you know, very close. So um, I like the offensive line. Getting Justin Pugh back was important. And then just making sure that Rodney Hudson was engaged and not like thinking about retirement and that he wanted to play was a big deal. Beecham's been good. I like Beecham. You know, getting Will Hernandez, I think that that's that's going to work out for them. They they signed DJ Humphreys to the contract extension. Say what you want about him, but you know, for the most part he's been a pretty solid left tackle for them. Like he's he's good. Like he's not the best, but like he's really good. He's not serviceable either. Like he's good. But there's continuity on that offensive line because, you know, DJ and Justin to play together for a number. That's your left side. Yeah. And those two guys have played together for a number of years. Now, I will say the run blocking could be a little bit better. The run game in general could but be a little bit you're better. You're always behind, so it's hard. Like That's you're true. always behind. Every game you're behind. You're not, not one game are you playing. When you're playing well, from ahead, they'll run the ball better. Well, you're down double digits in the first quarter. And it's, they've been down double yeah. digits in every single game in the first quarter they've played so far this year. I would agree. It does make the commitment to the run game a little bit harder. Um, the yards per carry hasn't been very good. I mean, it, I think they were three yards per carry last year, 3.3 yards per carry last week, I meant to say, against the Rams. So it's, but I think by and large, if we're making a list of cardinal problems, the offensive line, I'm not putting on that list. It's a long list. It's a really long list. I'm not putting the offensive line on that list. No, no, I think the offensive line has been, has been solid. But to the point about the running, if they could just get a lead, I think that, I think this team will play so much better with a lead, like every team should, but you're not really seeing the advances in the running game. And Kugler wants to run. Sean Kugler wants to run the football. And you're not getting that, you know, when you're always down in the, for every first, they're down, they don't have to score a point in the first quarter. If they could finally get a lead, I think you'll see them take advantage of that running game. All right, when we come back here on Burns and Gambo, we are coming back here on Burns and Gambo because we've got Diamondbacks coverage that starts at 6.30. Bonus Burns and Gambo comes up next, and if you missed our full interview with Cardinals General Manager Steve Keim, we will play that for you next here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball is 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. We're checking in on the D-backs as they warm up for the game's first pitch. D-backs on deck. Brought to you by 72 Sold. Get thousands more on your home with no inconvenience. Visit 72sold.com. And by Sonic. This is how we Sonic. Stop by your nearest location today for the Sonic Chop House Cheeseburger. For a limited time, only at Sonic. Diamondbacks baseball coming up next here on the flagship home of the Arizona Diamondbacks, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. This is D-backs on deck. So we get you ready. Their pregame coverage will begin at the bottom of the hour, 6.30, and then first pitch, 7.10. The Diamondbacks and the San Francisco Giants in a building that has not been kind to Arizona so far this year. We'll tell you more about that a little bit later on in the show. But with six games to go in the regular season, let's set the table for tonight's matchup with your pitching matchup, and it's brought to you by Native Interiors. Your floors, your way. Text the word floors to 620-620 for more info. Your matchup tonight, the righty Alex Cobb goes for San Francisco. He is 6-7 and seven with a 3.67 ERA. His last time out came against these Arizona Diamondbacks. He went five innings, gave up five earned runs. Merrill Kelly gets the start for Arizona tonight. He's 13-7 and seven with a 3.13 ERA. 
And of course, for Merrill, it's been an extraordinary year, an eye-opening year in many ways. And yet there is still something out there he would like to accomplish beyond the 13 wins and the ERA right around three. And that, of course, is 200 innings on the season. He's been on record as saying that's something that matters to him, that's something that's important to him. Of course, Madison Bumgarner, it was announced a few days ago, would be shut down for the rest of the regular season, not pitch again for the Diamondbacks. And frankly, one of the reasons that Torrey cited was the opportunity to give a guy like Tommy Henry another start, was to give a guy like Trey Jamison another start, and was to give Merrill Kelly a shot at getting 200 innings on the season, something he's done in Korea when he pitched there, but something he's never done in a Major League Baseball uniform. He currently sits at 189 and two-thirds innings, meaning over the course of tonight, and then in what presumably would be, if all goes according to schedule, his final start of not only his season, but the Diamondback season next Wednesday, he would need 10 and a third innings over two starts to get to the magic number of 200. Seems very doable. Seems like something that's well within Merrill Kelly's reach. We were talking with Steve Berthume a little earlier, and he pointed out that Merrill Kelly's pitch count and it's right on the money, by and large, it doesn't exceed 100. So if he gets into some trouble where he has to throw a lot of pitches early in a game, that might limit, put a drag on how many innings he can go. He typically sits anywhere in the mid-90s when it comes to how many pitches he throws in a game. But if all goes according to plan, he's usually good for six or even seven innings. If you look at his recent game logs, you would think that would be a number that he could potentially get to. Now, there was some other news for the Arizona Diamond backs today. They put second baseman Cattell Marte on the injured list. Obviously his season is now done being on the injured reserve list and they put up, they called up infielder Buddy Kennedy from AAA Reno. So Cattell Marte's season is done for the Diamondbacks. And needless to say, it's been a disappointing season for Cattell Marte. He certainly had his moments, 12 homers, 52 RBI, but his batting average, the lowest that he's had in a single season since he's been with the Diamondbacks. His OPS, the lowest that he's had with the Diamondbacks in a single season since he's been here. And certainly getting Cattell Marte back on par with the version of him we saw in 2021, and certainly when he was an All-Star back in 2019, I would think be would be one of the top priorities for this Diamondbacks organization. But his season is done. Buddy Kennedy has been called up. And the Diamondbacks now move forward with what they have for the final six games of the season. Your MLB standings for tonight's game. They're driven by trucks only. The Valley's number one independent dealer and home of the lifetime engine warranty. Let's take a look at the overall standings in Major League Baseball. Your division leaders in the National League are the Mets in the East, the St. Louis Cardinals in the Central, and of course the L.A. Dodgers in the West. In the American League, it's the New York Yankees, and by the way, Aaron Judge does not have a home run tonight. Uh, the Cleveland Guardians, the red-hot Cleveland Guardians, by the way, in the Central, they've been playing some unbelievable ball the last month or so, and the Houston Astros in the, le- in the West. Your wild card standings in the American League, it's the Blue Jays, the Mariners, and the Rays. In the National League, it's the Braves, the Padres, and the rapidly sinking Philadelphia Phillies, who have not played well at all as of late. The Milwaukee Brewers are now only one game behind the Philadelphia Phillies for the final wild card spot in the National League. So certainly that's something to keep an eye on as well. Now it's time for On the Farm, and it's brought to you by Redbird Farms. You can't put a price on great taste. Tonight it is the PCL 
championship game. The Reno Aces taking on El Paso tonight. Brandon Fat is going to get the start for Reno. He's the Diamondbacks' number four prospect. He'll take the ball as the Diamondbacks, or as the Aces, I should say, look to clinch the Pacific Coast League championship and then move on to the AAA minor league playoffs in minor league baseball. So that's certainly something to keep an eye on tonight is obviously they're the only farm affiliate left for the Diamondbacks who are currently playing baseball. So with that in mind, let's get you a key to tonight's game. Listen, man, I need you to be the key master. I am the key master. D-backs keys to the game, presented by Mist America, home of the patented Mist 360 outdoor cooling system. Visit MistAmerica.com today for a cooler tomorrow. Four and nineteen since the start of the 2020 season. That's what the Diamondbacks are in San Francisco, finding a way to break through in that building and finding a way to take care of business there. That would be a good key to tonight's game. That's going to do it for us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We're out of here. We'll see you Monday, straight up two o'clock here on Burns and Gambo. You're still here. It's over. Go home. Go. Oh.